0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, a fun fact. This podcast was actually born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. Yes, that is before Substack was even born. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too, especially if you like this podcast. It is a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us, like an Instagram post we saw and just can't stop thinking about. We send it every Monday, except for some holidays that we take off, like same people, and it is free. Sign up at a thing or two, hq.com. Okay, here's the show.
1: Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about.
0: I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more with this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or 2 hqcom and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content.
1: To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833 632 5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or 2 hq I think we've talked about this before. I can't remember when, to what extent or in what yeah. context. And I apologize to loyal listeners who have to hear us think about this again. I think it's an evolution of the conversation. (laughs) Well, I find myself back in this place because it's winter and there's snow and salt on the ground of being like, we must commit to being a shoeless household. We must. It's just not tenable to track all of this stuff in the house. And then every time I get to that place, I am faced with three to five hurdles that I feel are insurmountable.
0: I would like to hear your hurdles because they surprise me every, every time I think about them. All
1: right. I'm going to say that the first one, and we've spent a lot of time this season thinking about this one. is just in the winter, you are so often wearing laced shoes and you are so often wearing laced boots that are really time consuming and complicated to get on and off. So it's like, you're coming home, you've got your and God forbid you're like coming home just quickly and then leaving again, then it's a whole thing. But like, you've got your coat, you've got your mask, you've got your hat, you've got your bag, you got to get, get rid of all of it. And then also bend down with all this bulkiness and unlace your shoes. And then you're leaving again and you got to lace them back up. It's given me such a desire to have only really unlace like zipper or, or Uggs basically. And I don't, I'm not an Uggs person, but I just don't see a way around that. Okay. So I have two thoughts for you. Mm-hmm. One, I think you
0: have a lot of laced boots I do. in general. Yeah. Like, I think uh-huh. like when I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, I just don't really have laced boots. Um, I don't. <laughs> like I so have a a style. I have slip on boots. It's a, so that's a partially a style problem. It, yeah. It's a personal style conundrum. Yeah. Okay. Two, there's a, Always a bench in our entryway for like putting on and taking off the shoes. Uh-huh. And like, you have to have that immediate place to like sit yes. down to do it. You
1: have to. I agree with that. So that's one. The other is the issue of it's two issues in one, which is shoe storage. So, one, do you just have all your shoes dumped at your entryway? <laughs> two, if you're not putting shoes on and taking them off at your entryway, how are you incorporating shoes as part of your outfit and dealing with that as part of the getting dressed in the morning? Because what, you're getting dressed in your closet and then all your shoes are down at the entryway and that's just coming at a totally separate time.
0: I think this might, this is the one that reveals to me that we just have a different process.
1: There's just a yeah. different process. <laughs> uh huh. So
0: for me, in my house, there's a bench and the bench has a shelf under it. I will try to link to our bench. I think it's a great bench. Mm-hmm. It's an Umbra like situation.
1: And is this is just for my own personal. This is the bench right outside your door or right inside? Uh, inside. Inside. Okay. Our neighbors have a bench outside their door. We don't.
0: We keep the shoes that are like the the like vips um, mm-hmm. live there. It's like the ones it's like I have two pairs of sneakers there. I have my like everyday black boots and like then like something else. So that a little like kind of be in rotation. In most cases, those are the shoes that I'm going to leave the house in. If I'm like going somewhere else and like doing another thing and I'm going to put on like a notably cute shoe, I go into the closet, get that shoe and like try it on in front of the mirror and then take it to the front door.
1: Oh, you drop it off at preschool. Yeah. Wow. I mean, granted, Claire,
0: my bedroom to my front door (laughs) are like how many feet?
1: So, yes, I will say, I think the fact that I have too many stairs in my house yeah. is really makes this more of a challenge for sure.
0: I also just think that I don't have very many pairs of shoes in active rotation. Yeah. Um, it's like each season, there are like three or four pairs of shoes that I'm going to
1: wear
0: 90% of the time.
1: No, I mean, of course, that's yeah. everybody. And and I still though, it's not that there are so many shoes I need to choose from. It's just sometimes I'm not sure which of those three or four pairs of shoes looks best with my outfit. And I need to try them all on to figure out which one I want to wear. I do a lot of that of being like this one or that one. I got one on one foot and one on the other. And again, my bedroom is on a different level. I
0: But n- if those shoes live by the front door, couldn't that same thing happen? If you have a mirror by your no, front because door? Maybe
1: not, no, because then I'm like getting dressed upstairs and the, all that whole process is happening upstairs. But the am trying get downstairs. I want to know what looks best. And it's like, if I get down there and it's like, neither of these look right. I actually need a different top. Uh-huh. I need to do the whole creative process in one physical location. Okay.
0: I think another part of this is because you wear shoes in the house, you have to have shoes that go with your outfit all the time. And I only need shoes that go with my outfit when I go outside.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I see. But I still, I, mean, I just, so it doesn't
0: like, I'm only making a decision about yeah. shoes if I'm leaving the house. I don't make a decision about shoes otherwise
1: it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's like a little bit of it. Cause I do mostly just wear clogs or, or slippers if I'm not leaving the house, but if I'm leaving the house and I leave the house at some point most days, I not yeah. But, all right. I'm going to move on. Okay. I'm going to move on to the <laughs> other point, which is that I just have a really hard time asking guests to take off their shoes.
0: Oh, I don't, I don't, you know what the thing okay. is? I don't, I most like, again, it's kind of like this, like 80 or 90% of the time the people walking around in my house Mm -hmm. are Thomas and I, we can take our shoes off. We both grew up in like shoeless households. This is, we're accustomed to this. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's worth it to me to have other, and like there are people who just take them off because we have our snow boots outside the door or whatever and like, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I don't care enough about it for all that.
1: Yeah. I just think we're really moving towards a shoeless household culture. I just think more and more it is the expectation that you would not wear shoes in the house. And so most people are doing it naturally, even if you don't ask them to. And so I get it. I just, and I I really aspire to it because listen, our floors are a mess and it's dirty. And at the same time, I think my sort of predominant mentality on this tends to be how I think about everything, which is like, it all gets dirty, it all gets worn, it's all just meant to be enjoyed and used and I just, Oh, I think it is all you know, meant to be
0: used. I think yeah. for me I'm like I don't want to clean the floor more. Like no same and our I, floors are
1: dirty. Our floors are really dirty.
0: I like just not having to worry about cleaning the floor as much and I think that's the win for me. And I like a little bit of it is like living in New York and just being like, "Oh my god, there's just like so much stuff on the street yeah. and like whatever." And it's a little bit related to like subway clothes of being like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't sit on my bed in like clothes and like pants I wore on the
1: subway or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. it just no, feels no, no, no. kind of gross. I'm starting to bring up tinks as often as I bring up my mother <laughs> on this podcast and I apologize, but she posted about this recently. Cause I guess she showed a picture of her mom in her house and her mom was wearing shoes. And someone was like, I really respect that you're a shoes on household. And she posted this whole thing about how like that she really wants people to feel comfortable. And it's just like, the house is life and like in life you wear shoes and da. da, da, da. And it's it, it didn't even speak to me so much as validated me where mm. I was like, Thank you, like for crafting an argument in support of this lifestyle I've chosen. But then at the end of it, she was like, But don't get me started on outside clothes in the bed. That's a t- that's a totally different thing. <laughs> like, that that is a line I won't. That that is cross.
0: disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it's different. Uh-huh. It definitely is yeah. different. Um yeah. I mean, I also wonder if I would feel differently about shoes in the house, if I had a dog um, mm. who is basically wearing shoes in the house all the time <laughs> and, and is wearing and subway clothes in bed floor. and is wearing subway clothes in bed,
1: wearing especially. subway basically. clothes in bed and cleaning the floor.
0: Totally. To- for you. Absolutely. An excellent point. Yeah. An excellent point. Wearing yeah. shoes in the house, but also cleaning the floor. The yeah. other
1: thing I will say is that um, our friends, Lauren and Dan had a lot of fun basically buying a bunch of slippers and as part of their transition to a shoeless household so that they could offer people their own personal slippers to use, which is a nice way of doing it for sure to be like, yes, we ask you to take off your shoes, but here is the, here are these slippers for you to use.
0: I will say, so I grew up in like a barefoot household mm-hmm. and Thomas grew up in a slipper household and I don't find them to be completely compatible um, mm. because I actually don't like the slippers option I don't like interesting I I just I I'm like the slippers at my own house and I like putting on like a Birkenstock or whatever with a hard sole and being able to like run down the stairs my apartment building but I don't love the like having to put on slippers at somebody else's house
1: that's fair yeah no I can understand that I can understand that I listen wish me luck it's a nice option
0: it's a nice option yeah but yeah anyway (laughs) wishing you luck
1: Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. So we've been talking about all of the sort of tools in our uh, mental health toolbox, one of which for me is running, which, you know, I talk about a ton because it is so important to me. It is one of these things that I just, when I get out of bed in the morning and I'm like, I don't feel like running today, the thing that motivates me to do it is knowing that I'm probably going to have a rough day emotionally, mentally, you know, anxiety wise, if I don't get out there and run. And I have it's to the say threat. it's, the yeah, threat. it's the threat. <laughs> it is the threat of a terrible day that gets me out there. And it's one of the things that I realized at some point, I've always done it because I'm just very aware of the fact that it, you know, it, it balances the chemistry in my brain in some way that really helps. Um, but I also realized at some point that it's, the 30 minutes to an hour a day that I don't look at my phone no matter what, except to maybe change the music. Um, And there are other 30 minutes to an hour a day that that happens, but they're few and far between. And to just not look at a screen for that long is so nice.
0: Um, Something else in the toolkit, talking to a licensed therapist, which can help you feel better. Better help is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is a professional counseling done securely online. So you can get the help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours and schedule weekly secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Anything you share is, of course, confidential. And if for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a different one. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors as needed. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com com slash a thing or two. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors make it possible for us to bring you this show every week.
1: Thank you so much to Modern Fertility for sponsoring today's episode. Before we get into this ad read, we wanted to take a minute to acknowledge how painful the topic of fertility can be for a lot of people and to send our love to anyone dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss. If you need to skip over this part, we totally understand. Go for it. Hit that 30-second fast-forward button three or four times. So... Modern fertility addresses something that's so important. And I also think empowering, which is just helping women understand the state of their fertility hormones, egg count and more, which for so many women who are trying to navigate, like, do they want kids? Do they not want kids? When do they want kids? What are their options? This is just a hugely important thing that can really help you make decisions and understand what your options are. And it's something that for so long has been so expensive and modern fertility makes this type of testing far more accessible than it's typically been both in terms of price and access. They also just, do this in a really thoughtful way. So they're giving you access to one-on-one discussions with fertility nurses so you can get a deeper understanding of your results and the next steps you might wanna consider. So we are so excited to be partnering with them. Modern Fertility
0: is easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with a doctor can cost over over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on modern fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and all those other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today, one day in the future, maybe not at all, you want to get the information that will help you make the decision that's best for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Hi guys. Welcome to Digging Deep. I'm Dr. Sasha Shokran, the relational doctor, but more importantly, a human just like you with a story that continues to unfold. Each of our lives is compiled of stories and my job is to help you detangle those stories. As a psychologist, I'm here to tell you that growth is never linear and that life is full of highs, lows, and everything that exists in between. My plan is to dig deeper into the stories that will inspire us, move us and remind us that we're never really alone. Don't miss a new episode of Digging Deep every Monday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Should we move into an even more profound subject?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Creativity, creativity, a creativity Mm -hmm. follow-up, a how
0: are we feeling about creativity? Are we making room Mm -hmm. for it? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, we
1: are making room for it, for sure. We did something so spectacular which is was a suggestion from our management coach Ben who we who's like yeah. the third character on this podcast really <laughs> where we he's like to sex in the city what new yeah, york is exactly. like he, he- <laughs> God, (laughs) he's so embarrassing. (laughs) Anyway, he suggests he was like, could you guys take one day a week where you agreed to just like work on something creative, like your personal creative projects? It doesn't have to be the same one, but you're both going to do it. Maybe you do it physically in the same space together. And you're just not having meetings and you're not scheduling work stuff on that day. And we are in a place right now and should be in a place for a while where we are able to do that with with our workload. And it felt like such a novel idea when he suggested it. Even though we had tried... sort of similar things in the past of like not scheduling stuff on Fridays or, you know, having personal time certain days. Yeah, Friday exactly. afternoons or
0: like whatever. Yeah, but those things ended up getting really filled mm-hmm. with errands. And if we both weren't doing it at the same time, I think there was this sense like that, oh, we were playing Right, cooking. right,
1: right, right. And I do still have a little bit of that sense and we can get into that later, like the sort of complicated feelings around it. Yes, the guilt, the guilt and, and shame, shame portion, of of it, this. portion of this podcast. <laughs> but I do just... I'm sort of astounded by the novelty of this being like the ultimate accountability partner, because it's one thing to be like, I have a companion who is also working on a project and we're going to check in on each other and report back to each other. There is nothing quite like your business partner, the only other person in your company also being like, I am also not going to work. I'm also not going to send emails. I'm not going to ask you for things. And I'm going to be doing this thing instead. And I want you, I expect you to do that thing too. Like, it's just an incredibly, it's an incredible privilege to be able to do it. Oh
0: my gosh. Incredible privilege. I mean, everything related to every, like the last three minutes Mm -hmm. is an incredible privilege. I mean, I do think obviously there are all kinds of other ways to go about this and to like find that person that, you know, that that, Mm -hmm. like in your life where you're like, I'm going to like, we're going to for two hours on whatever day, like carve out that time and like, know that like, we're both working on this thing. And that makes it like us both yes. feel that pressure. It's like having a run mm-hmm. buddy or whatever. We're doing this yes. at the same time, even if not yes. in the same place.
1: And I, it, I'm sorry to talk about things I talk about too much. Oliver Berkman, um, or Oliver Berkman, who wrote Four Thousand Weeks, talks about the importance of the idea of the weekend being a time when other people aren't working, and that you can really only yeah. truly take time off if other if the other people you work with are also taking time off, and how you know, it's sort of a, you can say I'm not going to work on Friday, but if everybody else is working, it's a really hard thing to truly pull off.
0: Yes. 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 Can we talk about the shame and embarrassment and like guilt portion of this before we get into the like actual creative practice? Something that I think we're both trying to reframe in our minds is what this creative thing Mm -hmm. is and like the role that Mm -hmm. it has. And instead of treating it like cheating Mm -hmm. on work, treating it as something that's contributing to work in a broader way. It is actually part of the work
1: while at the same time, balancing it with the idea that it does not need to have a, work. it doesn't need to be work and it doesn't need to have a valuable output, or it doesn't need to produce something of value in order to be valuable. So it like both contributes to our work, but it is not our work and it doesn't need to have value, which are, you know, it's not that those two things are in direct contradiction with each other, but it is that those two things in theory contradict one another because you're saying the point is not what happens. The point is that I'm doing it. The point, it doesn't need to be good because it's not about that. It's not, it doesn't need to be revenue generating. It doesn't
0: need to be monetizable. It doesn't need to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same
1: time trying to trust. And I really like the, my best way I can frame it for myself is blind faith that by doing this thing, I will be better at my job that does generate revenue, which shouldn't. It's kindling. It's kindling.
0: Yeah. What it is. And,
1: and it's, I don't need it to be that way. Right. Like a hobby for the sake of a hobby is fine too, but I do think it is helpful or it's not even helpful. I just think it's true (laughs) that if we take time to be creative in ways that are quote unquote unproductive or like not uh, related to our work, not uh, towards a side the, hustle not and not, the, yeah, not yeah. geared towards a very specific goal that it will also make us more creative and, and better at the stuff that does generate revenue for us.
0: I was telling you that I just listened to a uh, audiobook, Steve mm. Martin's memoir called born standing up. And there's this whole section in it where he, t- he talks about like all of the things that he did sort of before he got into like straight up comedy and, and stand up and, um, and his stand-up career, I, I'm like too, too young, too young to really appreciate mm-hmm. his standup career for what it was. But he was like kind of the biggest standup act that there was ever at his peak. And before that, he was like really into magic. And he was like, did he was like, he was very into but very bad at banjo playing and like all of these little like ramshackle things. And once he'd been on the Johnny Carson show, like five or six times or whatever, Johnny Carson was really like T- it was like mm-hmm. taking to him in a new way and like saw his like act coming together and it was like gelling and the banjo was coming into it and the magic was coming into it and like all of these little disparate mm-hmm. pieces were fitting together in this like very specific puzzle and johnny carson told him like you'll use mm-hmm. all of it and i think that's yeah. like the general sense of like just like following these little roads or whatever that are interesting to you with the idea that like it it will like come up again in some other way
1: Yeah, totally it's the Nora Ephron quote everything is copy
0: the other thing about this that I think I've been trying to rethink is just like what is a creative Mm. practice or like what does that Mm -hmm. look like and I think just wanting to like go to museums and wanting Mm -hmm. to go do those things and wanting to just like experience other people's work as part of that instead of just us working on things in our apartments as we do (laughs) most days
1: yes It does feel like a really important part of it. I told you that I have so many art books and I like collect them not on purpose, but whenever I really like an exhibit, I always want to bring it home and I end up buying the book. And I always kind of felt a little bit of guilt about it because I don't go back to them that often. And having these Fridays that are just geared towards creativity has forced me to go to them and open them and look to them for inspiration. And I finally had this moment of clarity of, oh, this is why, this is why I've been collecting these books to be inspired by what other people do in their creative work. It's also made me really want to read biographies of artists, specifically women yes. artists and mother artists. And if anybody has recommendations, please let me know, because so many of the great biographies of artists are about men. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. I would have never guessed. Um, if anybody can recommend, you know, autobiographies great too, but books about about women artists, parents, I'm very curious because I will say to get to this theme of guilt and shame that I've just been shocked by how embarrassed isn't quite the right word, but how private I've needed to feel about the fact Mm. that I'm doing it, especially keeping it private from the other people in my house. And sometimes, sometimes childcare is taking place in my house. And at times that has been my parents taking care of Cam or our wonderful caretaker, Paulette. And I have so much shame around the idea that they're watching my kids so that I can paint. And I, that's not something I've solved for. Like I really struggle with it. And I, one thing that really helped was that I, after the first week that we did this and going to such great lengths to hide what I was doing from the people in the house. I told my mom that I had been doing that I that you and I were doing this and that you know this was happening and she was so supportive which is so wonderful but I I couldn't believe how much of a confession it felt like and what a weight was lifted hmm. yeah. when I told her and how good it felt for her to be like that's wonderful like I love your art and I'm so excited for you to get back to it. And I was like my parents have always supported it. And My parents love the art so why wouldn't they have been supportive of it? But it felt so like such a confession to be like, and I'm not doing work work on Fridays and I'm doing this instead. And so, like it just, I, I was like, wow, I'll need to excavate this in therapy. How, much, how how complicated I feel about the fact that I'm doing it.
0: I mean, the flip of it is, of course, that it, how good it is for Cam to see you doing this.
1: hmm Totally. And and it has also opened up because I have the supplies around he and I have been watercoloring together and that's really fun. It's really fun. And it's like, and and it's like the most present I am with him, I think ever. Cause, and it's just like so wonderful. And I'm, and I do think it's, it's great for him and he loves art and I haven't really been sharing the the other stuff I've been doing with him because I haven't really been sharing it with anybody, but yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Well, but it. just that he even knows that yeah. there's paint
0: in the house and it's something you do is like enough. Yeah. I think at this point, Yeah.
1: no, it's been, that you know? has been really, really fun. Like I, that's been a, a major bonus of it, but, but even just like, you know, obviously our clients, it's none of their business, why we may not be available at a certain day at a certain time. But when I say, no, we can't, this is a perk of not having a full-time yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I still feel guilt when they're like, "Can you do this time at that end?" Like, no, we're not available then. Obviously, they don't need to know, and I don't need to say because we don't do that type of work on Fridays. It's been really hard not to eat into the Fridays with that type of stuff. Whether it's Aaron, whether it's a friend who you can't find any other time to see, or a haircut or a doctor's appointment, is especially if you're saying like, "I," you're putting more work into Monday through Thursday because. You're not working on it. It's really hard. Yeah. To, to compensate. compensate for so this. Yes. yes I have yes. that has been happening. And I've been trying to limit it to one thing, you know, a day. And you and I have also talked about there's only so much time you can sit down and do this like creative thing. So <laughs> it's fine. But
0: yeah. I will say that a side effect of this is that our Thursdays and Mondays have become mm-hmm. more hellish for sure. And like the end of day Thursday yeah. feels like a rat like no, a wrap. It's rat really race. a challenge.
1: Like, I am so curious and predictably very interested in the chatter that has been taking place around, will we all move to a four day work week? There's yeah. one of the jewelry companies that I follow on Instagram, Auto Mike Gold, which is really interesting and does, is like very just sort of like principled and activism oriented. They moved to a four day uh-huh. work week and they wrote about it on Instagram and talked about how they did a couple of trial runs, decided that there was absolutely no discernible change in the amount of output. And so that that was, they were just making it permanent. They were like, we hope other people will join us. God, yeah.
0: I love it. I
1: absolutely
0: love it. Can you talk a little bit about the work you've been doing Mm -hmm. on, what should I call it? Is it the work (laughs) or is it like the creative product? You know what I'm saying? Like what I, Cause I think this is something I struggle with. Like what is the terminology mm-hmm. <laughs> for Yeah, like the yeah. creative
1: practice, I guess, is maybe a way yeah, which sounds practice. a little bit goony, mm-hmm. like when somebody yeah. refers to yo- their yoga as their practice, but which is, you know, fine. I'm not criticizing if that's yeah, fine. You, what you call it. But, but it's it's
0: like easier for it's yeah. better. Creative practice feels better mm-hmm. for me than like art, um, and yeah. artist and like any of those words, which I very much Same. struggle with and says more about me than no no, uses no, 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 no. Same
1: I I mean, it's like when I started running, people would be like, "Oh, you're a runner," and I was like, "I'm not. Um, I just run." I'm a person yeah. who goes for runs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe yeah, ten yeah, years yeah, yeah, into, yeah. I will be comfortable with the term artist. I've been I've been drawing and painting, and I what is there to say about that? It has been really fun, and I will say, I've I I've been doing a lot of drawing, or I'd pick bit like picked up drawing in a bigger way over the last year, not as consistently as I have been now, but I had forgotten how much I loved painting. And to the point where this has really driven mm. the guilt because I enjoy the painting so much. It's like, it's like an adult coloring book that it feels way like too enjoyable. it really feels yeah, I, yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. like getting away with something. Like I'm doing something really fun while everybody else is working, which is again, something <laughs> I need to, to work out in therapy probably, but. Yeah. So I've been been doing watercolors and and drawing in pen and pencil, which is also something my grandmother did. And she was really prolific and really talented. And because I spent the first part of the year in her, in the home that she lived in, surrounded by her work, felt really meaningful and also was just full of a lot of inspiration in that way. When did she start painting? I want to say like 50s. Yeah. Oh my god. Like basically when her kids had moved out and she yeah. took an art class, like an art class at the local art studio, maybe forties, but I, I believe it was fifties and yet yeah, just hundreds and hundreds of paintings and so good. And someone who in my, as I've gotten older has just helped me be more confident in my own art because she, you know, I think when you're a kid, you think good art is art that looks like real life and then as you get older yeah, you yeah, come yeah, to yeah, appreciate yeah. that that's not necessarily the case and and her art wasn't like that and i you know is some of my is some of my favorite art in the world and so that's that's been really helpful for me in terms of sort of taking my own self judgment away from it about around like technique and skill and stuff like that the other thing that's been really helpful is sometimes i sit down and i don't know what to draw or paint and so i've been starting yeah. every friday morning with these Wendy McNaughton draw together podcasts that she does. And Wendy McNaughton is truly one of the greatest artists of our time in like every way possible. She's so generous. And when she start, when the pandemic started, she started doing these Instagram live classes called draw together that were art classes for kids that adults could also take part. in, And she would do these really simple art lessons on Instagram live. And they really took off and she did it so thoughtfully and, and with the right sensibility and the right execution. And so now she then turned it into a substack, And then out of the substack, she started doing these short audio drawing lessons and they are precisely like guided meditation meets a drawing lesson. And they are such an amazing way for me to like, A, get in the headspace of doing it. Yeah. B, center myself, you know, get, be get into a more mindful state of mind. And also just to give me something to draw. And they often are the thing that sort of leads to the thing that I end up working on that day, which is really nice. And I, I think these things are so friggin' brilliant. If you, even if you don't draw, or if you're not interested in drawing, they're a great way to approach guided meditation, especially for someone like me, who loves guided meditation, but often has trouble sticking with it or not not even sticking with it, but doing it, you know, being present and still like getting into that You get to move your hands. You, You don't have to sit still with your eyes closed. You can be mindful for 10 minutes while also doing something, which I think speaks to a lot of people who probably struggle with meditation.
0: Thank you so much to the Pill Club for sponsoring today's episode. So maybe you're like thinking about, you know, that you need to like renew your birth control prescription or you want to try something new that you've, you know, read a little bit about or feel like might be better for you, or maybe you want to try it for the first time, whether you know the brand you want or just like want to help navigating all of this and finding the best option, the Pill Club medical team has your backs. So you can actually get like intel on what are the different, you know, options available to you. So you're not just like going in blind or using the same thing you've used for years and years and years and years, just because you've used it. Remarkably, this world has evolved. There are like more, mm-hmm. more different, sometimes better for you options out there, which is God, a blessing, a real blessing. Truly.
1: Life is stressful enough. Access to healthcare shouldn't be an You know what? Access to birth control definitely shouldn't be. And now getting birth control and sexual wellness products is one less thing you have to worry about. With the Pill Club, you'll never have to make a trip to the doctor or wait in line at the pharmacy ever again. They provide access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door. The Pill Club carries over 120 FDA-approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $7 per month without insurance. The Pill Club delivers birth control to your door for free and discreet packaging, along with fun self-care gifts and goodies, and delivery is free. And what's more, their licensed medical team is just a text away to give you the best reproductive health care. Sign up for birth control in just five minutes, and when you become a patient, Pill Club will make a $10 donation to bedsider.org, which helps low-income individuals get access to birth control, funding things like medication and transportation costs. Right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash a thing or two, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every A Thing or Two listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's thepillclub.com slash a thing or two to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, thepillclub.com slash a thing or two. You must use the link to make a donation. Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's episode. I feel like one of the entrepreneurial sort of narrative arcs that nobody really tells you about is the journey with Shopify push alerts (laughs) and how, you know, when you first open your Shopify store and you've got the mobile app and you're like, yes, I want a push alert every time I get a sale. Like, yes, I want that, that flash of serotonin. And then you get addicted to it and you're hooked on it. And then maybe your business starts growing and they're becoming more and more. And I, maybe your significant other or your friend is like, maybe you should turn that off. It seems like you're a little addicted to that. Maybe like you don't need to have your day made or broken by how many Shopify push alerts you're getting. And then at some point you're like, yeah, and you turn it off. And that feels like a real milestone and a sign of success. When you finally got to that point in your entrepreneurial journey, where you don't need your phone to tell you every single order you've received.
0: As you can tell, we have a deep psychological connection with this company. (laughs) Um, Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility with a million milestones, and constant evolution needs. We grew up a kind over the course of nine years. And though you might not have realized from the outside, our commerce functionality was constantly being tweaked and upgraded on the back end, and Shopify was able to hand it all. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and whatever's coming next. You can synchronize your online and in-person sales and gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two right now. That's shopify.com slash a thing or two. We are so proud to partner with this company and we're so grateful to you for supporting the sponsors to make it possible for us to bring you the show every week. I don't know why this made me think of it, but I think it was Ann Friedman who shared the newsletter recently that she was using... The wordle of the day as a writing prompt. Maybe it wasn't her. Maybe this is, maybe my sourcing is completely wrong, but taking whatever the wordle is of the day and using that as like, you know, free writing prompt, which I thought was just like a stroke of breath.
1: God, it's so good. I mean, I will say the thing that I really miss from the last time I was really did have a a more regular creative practice was I was usually had some sort of class setting in my life, you know, where I had an art class Mm. or, or something where I was being given assignments and. And when I was younger, I don't think I realized the importance of those in sort of driving creativity, but now I'm like, give me the assignment, give me this something just to get my wheels turning. And same with writing, you know, being given writing prompts when you're in school is helpful and sitting down and not having anybody telling you to write an essay about your cat or whatever is, can sometimes be hard to think about what you're going to write about or where to go with it.
0: Yeah. 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 Do you, do you think there's a point where you're, when you'll want to share
1: my goal, my like really the only goal that I have right now, besides sticking with this is to not feel embarrassed talking about it by the end of this year, because I feel really embarrassed talking about it. I'm surprised I haven't cried yet on this podcast. I feel like I cried the last time you and I talked about it. I've cried to other people about it. I'm going to cry now. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Just exactly, you said I cried, exactly. You know, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just so, and I'm hoping that as a result of not feeling weird, not having all the shame and embarrassment about talking about it, then I will also feel comfortable sharing it. So, yes, I would love to share it. I would really like to share it. I am surprised by how unwilling to share it I am. I did, I can talk about this more later, but I did this Artist Way group, which Artist Way is like a, creativity workbook that is fairly iconic. And a lot of people do it as part of sort of accountability groups and get together every week to talk about it. And this woman in the group with me emailed me and she was like, I just discovered your Instagram and it's so great. Your son's so cute. And it just occurred to me, like maybe one way to help motivate yourself and keep yourself accountable would be to share your work on your Instagram. I know it's really helped me to have an audience. And I was like, thank you so much, but no. And I am sure that this, I, this woman was like, so let me get this straight: you put your entire life on Instagram, you get on this podcast every week and share all sorts of fairly vulnerable, private stuff, but you're not going to put a drawing on the internet? Well, you know what
0: the thing is, though, Claire. She also is using it as a source of mm-hmm. motivation and like likes that feedback yeah.
1: loop of it. And I think you're just motivated by different things. Yeah, no, that's definitely part. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I also just think for a lot of people, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel scary to share their work. As charged. Yeah, or yeah, share yeah, yeah, that Type yeah. of work and. I'm sure there's like layered reasons. I know there are layered reasons as to why this particular thing feels very scary to me to share, even when I share so much other stuff. Um, Yeah, I just feel Mm -hmm. weird about it. So yes, I would like to share it. I have also toyed with the idea of just making a private Instagram account to post it for my own uh, purposes to just be able to see my progress and to...
0: Yeah, I love that. I just
1: haven't done it, but I should because I think that would be helpful for me to be able to look back and just like see what I've done and the way it's changing. Who are we talking to about that at some point on this podcast? Andrew Quo. Oh, mm-hmm. it was it was Andrew Quo. He has so many. <laughs> private he just creates accounts private accounts himself. all the time yeah. to like
0: dump like interest in creative things, and yeah. I do think that it's like yeah, it's a nice way to track progress. It's a nice way
1: to like put put things together in yeah. a in a place. Yeah. No, like, I agree, yeah. and and I I mean it isn't it is more or less how I use the grid on my own Instagram. Like I just post stuff on the grid that I want to remember for the most part. And so I, yeah, I do like the idea of using it for my art for sure. So yes, the answer is yes. I would really like to share it at some point. And my big goal is to be consistent and to get more comfortable with the idea that I'm doing it and to like talk about it and not feel embarrassed or ashamed or guilty for the fact that I'm doing it. And I think if I do that, if I, if we stick with this, if I can like maintain this very regular practice, then I can get to a point where I feel more comfortable about it. And I actually do think being able to share it might make me also feel more comfortable talking about it because I have something to show for this thing that I've been spending all this time on. I hear you, but I'll, but also you don't yeah. need to have
0: anything yeah. to show for. It. I mean, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. I I, yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, how about you?
0: So at the very end of the year, I finished the first draft of this novel project mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Novel project right. thing is it's is officially mm-hmm. what it's called. That I'd been working on. And I had been dragging my feet on finishing it mm-hmm. for a while. And I think Part of why I, I just like, I think part of why I would have dragged my feet about finishing it is because I didn't know what mm-hmm. came next and then was like, well, like I've done this thing, do, am I going to keep working right. on it or am I going to stop mm-hmm. working on it? Am I going to start working on something else or I'm going to try to like do a second draft? Like it felt like I had to make decisions and that was something I right. wasn't and if like you, all that to do. And if you
1: kept working on it, then towards what end, Right. Is it like just for you or is this something that you want to put out into the world or whatever? And if you're keeping working on it, that suggests you might want to put it out into the world. And what does that mean? And all that.
0: Totally, totally, totally. And I think also over the summer, last summer, I was maybe trying to like ramp up too Mm -hmm. much on uh, how much I was working on it. And I felt really compelled to do Jamie Attenberg's 1,000 Words of Summer, which is this amazing Mm -hmm. like group accountability thing that she does where people commit to writing 1,000 words for 14 Mm -hmm. days.
1: It's 1,000 words every day?
0: 1,000 words every day for 14 Mm -hmm. days. So the idea is like 14,000 words is like a lot of something. And maybe it's finishing a project and maybe it's starting a project and maybe it's just like getting into a habit or whatever. Whatever. and people like people start books that they get published mm-hmm. on this thing people like there's like she's done this mm-hmm. for years and it's like a very impressive and ex- and like cool mm-hmm. thing that she has like created community around and I think I like just really was like taking yeah. with the idea of it and then started doing it and it also like the timing it was like over Memorial mm-hmm. Day and into like sometime when I was traveling and it made the timing a little tricky and I just ultimately like wasn't able to carve out the time for it and then felt bad Mm -hmm. about myself for not doing it, not like like pulling it off. And then was just like, why? Like, why did I pressure myself into this thing? Like I I was on a perfectly fine like Mm -hmm. path before. Mm -hmm. I was writing, you know, for a half an hour a day, however many days a week. And that was like That's a lot. That's
1: a lot. That's great. Yeah. And
0: Totally. It was like, fine. I don't know why I felt, you know, besides the allure of this, like, cool thing, like, I can appreciate this cool thing that she does without actually having to participate in it. So then right at the beginning of this year as we started this or like over with winter break i randomly on on twitter saw a book called refuse to be done how to write and rewrite a novel in three drafts by someone named matt bell i'm a little concerned and, about um, this
1: because it does seem like you're saying something good came out of twitter and i just don't want you putting that message out into the world
0: <laughs> i know and i think it is one of those things that makes me be like does that mean i have to right. stay on it's, here which is terrible like it's a
1: it, it's a slippery slope i
0: agree like uh, Claire, one hundred percent. Because like every three weeks, I will have to find something where I'm like, "Well, I don't know where else I was gonna have seen this." Like
1: yeah.
0: oh, this trash platform. Mm-hmm. Here I am. Also, the title of this book is a challenge for me because "refuse to be mm. done" is not. Yeah, that's is not,
1: not where my how my head add. works, yeah. and
0: I I don't think that's the, yeah. and I don't want my head yeah. to go in that direction. I actually yeah. no, but this book is like officially out now, and it it's just really great. I Good. think that I needed someone to give me like I needed the class on like how to do a revise. I needed the like, okay, what mm-hmm. do you do from here? Because I think I was just very daunted by sitting there with like a shitty first draft and then being like, well now like process wise, mm-hmm. what do I do? And there's a lot of like very actionable specific things. And the thing that he like the very short version of what I've taken away from this is that he suggests going through and reading this like first draft and then making a new outline or a first outline if you haven't outlined for this book based on what's actually mm-hmm. there and then to revise that outline before you try to revise a whole book an outline's mm-hmm. easier and then to like rewrite a draft based on that new outline and here is the real tricky part without copy pasting you have to retype everything. You have to retype everything because you will find it much more painful to retype things that you hate than you will to copy paste things that you hate,
1: which just felt uh, felt like a bit of a life. <laughs> it is. I actually think it's. I think it's completely brilliant. Here's my question: Do you have yeah. to go in order, or if you are stuck in a section that you can't retype because you're not happy with it? can you move on and come back to that section? Okay. Oh yeah. I think you can, I
0: think you can like go in whatever order you want at that point. I think it's more just that like, you can't just be pulling things over from your first Mm -hmm. draft and cobbling them together. One piece of guidance from this book that I thought just like applied more broadly, if whether you're working on something daily or weekly or Mm -hmm. like whatever, was his, his like sense that, basically pick one thing to fix in the morning, Mm -hmm. like as you're closing out your practice for the previous Mm -hmm. time, which is like a little bit of like listening to this Wendy Mm -hmm. McNaughton podcast of like, here's like, it's Mm -hmm. not a fix, but it's like, pick one thing to do, like find your starting point and identify your starting point
1: prior. And is the idea being like, so that you don't have to tackle it all right then, or so that you know where you're starting the next day?
0: So that you know where you're starting the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's
1: like laying out your clothes Mm -hmm. to go to the
0: gym. Okay. Like, kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. The other thing we talked about related Mm -hmm. to this is the idea of, like, not spending so much time Mm -hmm. or putting so much into this that you, like, burn yourself out, like, one day.
1: I – so – This book, and I apologize to everybody for how much I'm going to talk about it, but in 4,000 weeks, he introduces this philosophy that this guy came up with. And I cannot remember the name of the person who came up with it, but it's called Radical Incrementalism. And basically, this guy studied these academics who wrote and said that the most productive and successful among them generally made writing a smaller part of their daily routine than the others, so that it was much more feasible to keep going with it day after day. They cultivated the patience to tolerate the fact that they probably wouldn't be producing very much on any individual. Individual day with the result that they produced much more over the long term, which spoke to me so much because, well, one, like you've talked about, there's just creative burnout, but it's also philosophy on running that speaks a lot to both of us and was like very much how I started. And the advice that I give to everybody that running is so miserable, especially when you first start, that if you push yourself too hard, you will absolutely not go back and do it again the next day. And the only important part of running. When you're starting, when you're trying to get into the habit, is to go back and do it again the next day.
0: And this is like any Coach Bennett Nike Run Club guided run, right? It's like very much like I don't want you to like leave it all out here because I want you to come back and like I actually don't want you to like run like sprint the last you know hundred yards because you're gonna be too tired tomorrow to get back out. Right. You
1: you want you want (laughs) to want to do it the next day, and so. You want to exactly. want to do it the next day. So basically this philosophy of radical incrementalism says that you have to stop even when you have like this creative burning passion and still really want to go, keep going because, you know, you're like feeling in the groove. He says, in the, in flow. the flow yeah. Or he whatever. Says, stop yeah. and help strengthen the muscle of patience that will permit you to return to the project again and again, and thus to sustain your productivity over an entire career. And he basically says that the, the students who couldn't do this it were, just had this discomfort that arose from being forced to acknowledge their limited control over the speed of the creative process. And so they sought to escape it either by not getting down to work at all or by rushing headlong into stressful all day writing binges, which led to procrastination later on because it made them learn to hate the whole endeavor. And it just makes so much sense to me as, as an approach to something. And I, it's also why I think for the longest time, I had no interest in running marathons. So I was like, that's not why I run is to like do this Herculean thing. It's to have this practice that's really valuable to me and to do it for my entire life. And I don't want to do something that's going to endanger it. And by potentially getting hurt or learning to hate the thing, and it's not the point. So I don't need to prove anything to myself because I don't need to be good at this. I don't need to, um,
0: you don't need a participation medal. You don't need like, I just
1: need to do it regularly because it's important to me, which, yeah. And I, I love that philosophy being applied to creative work because as he says, like you can't rush creative work.
0: So that brings me to one of the two things that I'm currently uh, struggling with, which is I don't really know what to do when I don't know what Mm. to do next. Mm. Um, And like when it's like figuring out like things like this, parts of this plot don't work and like what happens then? And You can't just, like, sit down and, and, like, muscle through that. And so I think I'm struggling to figure out how to feel like I'm still fueling Hmm. this in some way without making concrete progress. Hmm. And then the other thing is finding something to work on or to, like, yeah, to work Hmm. on during these days and these times that don't involve a computer and that, like, are not tied to my job in any Hmm. way. Like, this is not my right. job. Like writing fiction is definitely mm-hmm. not my job. But writing but, is. But writing is certainly mm-hmm. part of my job. So there's, yeah. you know, that adjacency that like I want to do something that like truly I can be just like very confident being extremely yes. shitty at.
1: Which I think is so important and like such an important part of hobbies, right? And that you you don't like the point of a hobby is not necessarily to be good at. Something Something that I, to address your first point, and I don't know if or how this is useful, or I, I don't know that this translates to writing, but something I've been doing is that I will have throughout the week moments of inspiration or just like, oh, I would love to draw that. And I'm obviously not in a place to draw it or paint it. And I will jot it down in a note called like what to draw because I have you know, the similar thing where I'm like, well, this thing's done or I'm burnt out on this thing and I just need a little something like things like I'm like, I want to explore collage. And like, that's something that I can maybe just start flipping through magazines when I'm at a stopping point for something. But yes, that, that those moments are important and real. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I will say, I mean, obviously 4,000 weeks has been such a big influence in, in helping me Get in the right headspace for all of this, but we had also read Big Magic almost like exactly a year ago. You and I had both read it and didn't love it, but I have been surprised at how often it has come up for me in sort Mm -hmm. of keeping me going. With one, just the recognition that the point of this is not to be good at it, and that it's just about putting the hours, it's the doing it. Yes, and it's like the ten thousand hours, and all of that has really kept me going when I'm like, "Why am I doing this thing that's not good?" And it's like it, it. it's again this blind faith that it's there's value in just sitting down and doing it and and the practice alone is the point um has been important
0: and i think you know the other the, the thing that That Elizabeth Gilbert gets to in Big Magic that I think we both like need to hear regularly, and I think she did articulate this particularly well: is the perfectionism, yes, and just like letting go of of some of that, and that that's again not the point or the aim, or and and it and it's also just unachievable, like it's just not real,
1: and not doing yourself or your or your creative work the disservice of demanding that it produce value, but not putting the pressure on it because that's not the point of it, and that will damage it ultimately if that's like the way you're thinking about it so yeah I'm so so incredibly happy we're doing this it does feel like that for so long I was getting back into creative stuff and fits and starts and I felt I felt disappointed in myself that I felt like I just could not kick start the hot ha- the habit and I now sort of look and I'm like no I was just like getting to this point I was getting myself to a place where I was like feeling comfortable dedicating time to it regularly which is nice it was just like a stalled engine or something that's the show